Hello and welcome to Let Me Bore You to Sleep. My name is Jason Newland. My website is jasonnewland.com and please only listen when you can safely close your eyes. So let me think. Uh, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Everything's groovy in it. Yeah, groovy. Yeah, yeah. Everything's fine. Just. Uh, doing my thing today 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 I did um, I did the first of my addiction well it's help with addiction podcast I won't go too much into it because, as you probably aware, when with these podcasts that let me boy to sleep, I like to keep it light if at all possible. But yeah, I just um, because of what's gone on recently over the last recent times uh, well over the last nine years really but it's kind of all come to a head over the last couple of months and I just wow Vinny's making some weird noises my check is alright. Yeah, I just checked up on him. He was on the bed. But he was like, all I was hearing is. I wasn't sure what was going on. I think he might have been asleep. But when I came. When I got into the bedroom, he was awake. And I gave him the cuddles, and he's just followed me in here. It's probably time to take him out for a bit, but I'll do this first, and then I'll take him. So yesterday, um, I did quite a weird recording. Because just as I started, I had a phone call. And then we decided to just talk to each other on a podcast. So that's what the podcast was yesterday. And I was just about to tell you all about my bathroom flood. 
I don't know how far I got into the interesting story, but uh, it took ages to clean up. You know, I think it was about at least 10 mop bucketfuls of water. At least 10, maybe more. Uh, filled nearly a whole bath. And, well, about three quarters of a bath. Maybe half a bath. It's, it's quite a lot, quite a lot anyway. Okay, one egg cup full, but still, it's quite a bit. And the whole time I was mopping up, I needed the toilet, but I couldn't get to the toilet without pretty much getting wet socks. That would have been a way to dry everything up, wouldn't it? If I'd had some clothes that I didn't need, some old clothes, rags, I could have dried that up, like just chucked 20 towels or t-shirts on the floor, that would have dried it up almost instantly, but I didn't. Also, another thing I probably would have done in the past, I would have just got toilet roll and just chucked as many, not whole toilet roll, but like taking, taking it off the roll and then spreading that over and that would soak it up but I'd probably have to use about four, five, six, seven toilet rolls. But I can't do that anymore because I haven't got enough. So what I did do was I got some old bank uh, statements and decided to use those to help soak the water up. And so I ended up doing that it didn't really seem to help I thought it would but it didn't really not really not it yeah it didn't really seem to do the job um I think I'd have been much better off if I'd had one of those sponge mops you know the ones that you can just squeeze together and then it just gets rid of it the water instead of like an old-fashioned mop but it got the job done eventually it just seemed like it was gonna be forever and the water didn't seem to be going down even though I was emptying bucket after bucket after bucket of water into the bath now you might think why was I put into the bath should I should have put it into the toilet well, first of all, the water wasn't, well, to me, the water didn't look dirty, it was clear. And it didn't look like sewage water or anything. Secondly, I couldn't get to the toilet. Because otherwise, I would have got to the toilet. Yeah, it makes sense. Eventually got it done, and then, uh... The whole carpet outside the kitchen and the, the um, bathroom was soaking wet so I put down lots of paper hoping to soak that up and now it stinks 
and it's not dried either. I turn the heating on full to try and get a bit of heating in. I've opened the windows to air it out. Um, it's, I mean, it really was completely drenched. It was a flood, basically. It's like a very mini, mini flood. Um, just in one room. Luckily, I mean, if, if that had been in a room with the carpet, in all reality, I probably would have had to chuck the carpet out. It would have ruined everything, but it's just a little bit of carpet. And I'm hoping that I'm able to get it dried out and move on with my life unscathed. But time will tell. Outside of that, um, yeah, so, so I did, I've been thinking about doing that podcast I mentioned earlier on. Um, probably, well, since the end of, well, I don't know, for the last few weeks anyway, at least. But I wasn't quite sure how to approach it how to even start the thing and today I thought ah hmm I know what I'll do I'll start the podcast I'll just do it anyway because it there's only one way of starting it and that's just by doing it and I figured I'd just do an introduction I'd just talk a little bit about my experiences with things and where I'm coming from regarding the subject and I was probably a little bit too honest to be fair but hey never mind and that's it so I, was speaking, I did about 50 minutes of talking uh, about kind of what I'm planning to try and do and I talked about relaxation I talked about when we're lying down in bed and there's certain feelings well I personally experience when it comes to peace of mind when it comes to letting go like naturally just where your body and your mind calm down and there's a certain I guess you could use the word bliss there's a certain sense of well-being that to me is not only more real well literally is realer than some synthetic high it's also free um, but it also for me it feels better is you know there's no side effects other than the more you relax the easier you find it to relax 
the more you the more time you spend in that zone of calm or peace the the easier it is and to me it feels almost like a bit of a healing process there's, there's certain things in my life that feel quite healing for example when I'm lying down on the bed and I'm facing the wall and Vinny is leaning up against my back he leans up right against a part of my back that not my lower back but it's upper back where I've got a an ongoing bit of a grumble from a, a ripped muscle from blimey nearly 30 years ago and he leans right against it and it just feels better it's almost as if he's sending healing energy from his body from the warmth of his body into my body and yeah, that's that's just how I feel sometimes. Um, sometimes when I'm stroking him or he's like resting on me, and it's almost this. And I realise it's probably just my mind, but it feels feels kind of healing. It's being transferred from him to me. It's a very, very much a sense of peace and calm. When he's asleep, he's asleep. You know, he's just so chilled out. And it's a nice feeling. So yeah. I put something on the podcast episode. I wrote, wrote down something. And... Normally, I don't really go for this philosophy. Normally. But on this occasion, I am. So I put down, this is the first recording. So it's number one, intro, help with addiction. This is the first recording on a new podcast series. I hope to be able to help some people to move away from addiction towards freedom. If this recording helps one person, I've done my job. Now, I know it's an old cliche and I don't generally go by that because, you know, I want to try and help as many people as I can. But in this situation, if I can help one person, because if I'm able to help a person to help themselves from addiction to freedom, then I mean, technically I'm helping a lot of people. I'm helping their family, I'm helping their loved ones, I'm helping their friends, I'm helping maybe their work colleagues. Um, there's lots of different people I'm helping, you know, as a side effect. I'm helping their neighbours, possibly, because, you know, with the the chaos that sometimes 
would surround the addictive lifestyle uh, can you know it affects affects a lot of people people that aren't involved in it can be affected in really big ways I know from experience so I once lived in a house I once lived in a house in New Orleans they call it the Jason's house I lived in this house it was round the corner from a football stadium not relevant to the story but just thought I'd let you know Elton John once played there at the football stadium he did a concert and it was during the summer and I had the windows open because it was hot and I was trying to watch EastEnders on telly I couldn't hear it because he was so loud even with the windows closed it was too loud couldn't hear the television all I could hear was crocodile rock yeah candle in the wind it's like I'm still standing better than one time and the thing about Elton John I mean this was back in 2004 so you know 20 odd years ago it just sounded the same on stage as it did in his records it's like almost he's possibly one of the greatest live performers of all time um, just phenomenal but if I had wanted to listen to an Elton John album I would have listen to an Elton John album or to put a CD on instead of watching EastEnders but no, I chose I actually made the conscious decision to watch EastEnders at 7.30 or whatever time it was but no, 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 no Elton John decided otherwise he decided to, to infringe infringe on my evening an evening that I had been, well, not looking forward to, but it was still an evening, you know. I wonder what I was doing. If it was in the summer, yeah, I was still still working in the in the gift shop. Yeah, the gift shop, man. And I started working in insurance, I think, in September. 2004 yeah so had an argument with Vinny earlier he just wouldn't stop barking really wouldn't stop and I was trying to make a recording and he would not stop so in the end I shouted at him like really loud because there was a dog outside in another in the garden like probably about 10 doors up it was barking and he kept barking back so I shouted at him and the other dog stopped so all this activity that I could hear just stopped <laughs> and uh, it was so loud I could see stars seriously it was like 
shout. And I'm like, oh, I feel bad now. Because I don't shout. I'm not really a shouter. But he was winding me up so much. Uh, really pushing me to my limits. So, uh, yeah, that was it. So I've done that. I mean, I have done two recordings in the past, back in about 2017, on addiction. But I didn't have the, the knowledge that I have now about it. As such as... I know what it's like to live in a house with alcohol-dependent people. I've done that. I did that, as I said, in this house where John Lennon... Not John Lennon. Elton John. Now, I would have turned these standards off to listen to John Lennon. And so... There's one, two, three... Four alcoholics living there, and me, I was teetotal at the time, took a whole year off of doing anything, 2004, and then right at the bottom of the house there was a, no other better word for it, cracked in basically, which got closed down by the police, so that's what was going on in that house. One of the blokes ended up with liver failure and went to hospital. He survived. I can't believe it because he did, which is good. And I got on, apart from one person who didn't really speak to me, everyone else I got on really well with. And I could see the conflict because, or the, the issues, because a bloke next to me, he... He was great when he didn't drink. When he did drink, it was just everything went went wrong. And he was friends with a bloke who lived downstairs. He was friends with me as well, but he was like they basically liked to drink together. But then when he stopped drinking, the one next to me the one downstairs used to care for him, used to support him, used to look after him, to try and help him, yeah? But then he'd get him drinking again because he didn't want to be around someone that wasn't drinking. It was just, yeah, a very strange situation. But I think I needed that because I needed to see that, not that I didn't think that severe people with like those severe problems were not human because I've never thought that really but it was good to see the human side to it as opposed to what I would normally see is sort of in the street like very drunk people being angry and uh, all that stuff you know all the, the negative parts of it I saw that they were really nice people they happen to have issues surrounding alcoholic beverages. And it's so weird how everyone ended up living there. 
with the same issues. And it wasn't council, it wasn't a charity, it was just a private house and the landlord rented rooms out. And you didn't have to be alcohol dependent to move in. It was just anyone that applied. You know, if you had your deposit, you could move in. And it's just really weird the way it worked out. And that was my, what, can you imagine, that was my sober year. I decided not to drink at all for a whole year. What a challenge. What a challenge. Seriously. It's like, why? What's, why is this happening? You know, I just, so I didn't, didn't even have, I went to the pub with one of them and I just had an orange juice or a Coke. And it's, yeah, slightly tempted. But by that time, I'd pretty much not had any alcohol for about four or five months, six months or something, so it didn't really matter then. It's a weird year that was, 2004. I did uh, Wing Chun Kung Fu, I think three times a week. I think it was Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. Tuesday and Thursday was the standard Wing Chun. We also did some Jeet Kune Do as well. With Master Wong, his name was. And on Friday, it was leg spa. So it was just using legs, nothing else. Uh, using legs to defend yourself and to attack. And no hand, nothing. You couldn't even block, you had to block with your feet and your, and your legs. So, I wouldn't even want to attempt to do that now. But back then I was able to do it. And I got down to 11 and a half stone in 2004. So I was, I put weight on in 2001 or 2000, yeah 2000. I put weight on in 2000. And then, yeah, I managed, once I started doing exercise, I stopped drinking. I was a vegetarian for most of that year. I lost weight. I was physically active. I had a quite a physically active job at times. Uh, and I was, you know, working out. So I got down to 11 and a half stone and I was really slim like proper slim I'm now 16 stone so I put what's that five and a half stone on since then in the last 20 years what's weird is I remember when I when I reached 14 stone I thought I was gonna pop I really thought that like, and this was during university, about 2009, 2008, 2009, I really thought, because I just like, felt so heavy and so big. In fact, I felt bigger then when I was two stone lighter than I do now. 
I'm two stone heavier well, all of a sudden. And I don't know why. It's, it's, it's like I've, I've grown into my body, maybe. Uh, who knows? One thing I do know is I think it would be practically impossible for me to get down to 11 and a half stone. Even if I lost, even if I got down to 1% um, fat, I still couldn't get down to 11 and a half stone because I put too much muscle on over the years. That might sound like a brag and a complete lie, and it's not a brag. It is a lie, but it's not a brag, okay? No, it's, it's not I have. I put, I've just got more muscle than I used to have. Got more fat as well. So, I'm pretty sure if I, I don't, I, even if I got rid of like 99%, it's not 99%, is it? But if I had 1% fat, so I'm not 100% fat, am I? So, I don't know what percentage I am, probably... 75% I don't know but if I got rid of if I got down to like 1% fat or 2% fat whatever the ideal super fit is I'm still going to be walking around at 13 stone at least maybe 14 stone because you think about it, imagine 2 stone of fat is a huge amount of weight I can't imagine I've got two stone of fat on me. I mean, once you take the belly off, that's not going to weigh two. That's not going to weigh two stone. It's not going to weigh a stone. I don't think. Yeah, maybe it will. Mind you, probably each of my buttocks probably weigh about a stone. It's about a hundred kilos each. In my bums, my bums. We do have two bums, don't we? Kind of. <laughs> um. I guess I'm never going to know, really. Because chances of me getting down to 1% fat is... I guess quite unlikely. Although I am starting to think about maybe... looking into... getting a bit more exercise. Thinking about it. But I'm also thinking about becoming an astronaut. You know, I'm thinking about tap dancing, lessons, and you know, there's lots of things I'm thinking about. I'm going to become a trumpeter. I'm going to try and join the Sea, sea Cadets again. You know, there's lots of things that I thought about. You can't go back though, can you really? Can't go back. Isn't it weird that if I went back to the karate club that I went to when I was a kid, they wouldn't remember me. Still the same man running it. And then he said hosting. Still the same man hosting. Still the same instructor, Paul. Still there. I mean, he's got to be... I don't know. I can't even guess how old he is. And uh, now... 
I'm a bit too scared to say anything. I wouldn't say nothing derogatory about him. He's, he was, I loved him. He was brilliant. He was a great bloke. That's one of my regrets, though. I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. No, so many. When I left school, I used to, and I went and worked in a chip shop. I mean, that is among the most stupid things I ever did. But hey, there you go. This is just, I didn't know any better. I didn't get any kind of um, advice from any adults. And let's face it, my boss wasn't going to try and advise me to get a better job, was he? Because I was working for him, you know. He's, I think, although I was annoying, I was quite a hard worker. So, you know what, you're not going to put me off and say, go and, go and get a job on the docks, you'll get paid three times, four times as much as you're getting paid here. And it's clean work, it's not going to be walking around when you go into the supermarket or into a, a pub after work, people aren't going to be looking around. Where's that fishy smell coming from? Because that's what happens. It was, you know. I go into the supermarket, and everyone's like, "What? What? what what's that?" Even like in the supermarket, even the fishmongers would be like, "What the hell's that stink?" It's like you work in a fish shop. You work with. No, but God, yes, that really stinks. Then we all realised it was me. It wasn't the fish. I had these trainers. I think you might call them sneakers where you live, but they're basically trainers. They're like sports shoes. They stunk really bad. Now, I guess you don't really need to add the word really bad to the word stunk. It's self-explanatory, isn't it? But in this case, you do need to add the words. Really bad. Like, I can still smell it. I can still smell... Oh. And I wear them every day, and they get wet. And I wear them all day long, and they were wet. And... I ended up with ingrown toenail, all kinds of festering things going on in my feet, my toes. But I didn't have the money to buy new new tr trainers or new, you know. What I should have done is wear Wellington boots for the first part of the job when I was doing the chips and doing the fish and, you know, getting everything prepared. And then when I was behind the counter serving and frying or whatever else I was doing then should have worn something different maybe some boots with a good grip so I wasn't slipping because that was a, it could be a slippery job at times and it's not good to be slipping around those fryers and it's weird that I spent two years of my life doing that and I don't, to be fair, when I left school, I wasn't really 
I don't want to use the word capable. But although it might be a valid word for this scenario. Maybe equipped, maybe prepared, ready for any job. I didn't feel that I could, it didn't, what could I do? I left school with no qualifications. I didn't try at all at school. I just messed around. I didn't do homework. Uh, I didn't, I just basically, I gave up on them and they gave up on me. So when I did actually leave school, I had, I didn't really have much to offer. I didn't have any interests when it came to working. The only thing I was interested in was karate. Uh, martial arts, whatever. I just loved karate and um, girls, I guess, really, to be honest. Just like any other. Just I was interested in romance. So, yeah, I, was, I had that obsession with females, which, uh, yeah, I'll admit I did. I did. Just wanted to have a girlfriend never never did very well at school never really never really not really you know never really excel in the didn't have much of an, a love interest at school there's a couple of girls I kind of dated um, I mean, there was one girl that I really liked and I think I left school, when I left school, I saw her outside, and she was still at school, she was a couple of years below me, so she was still at school, but I really liked her, so she'd be, I'd be 16, she was 14, or maybe she, I was 17 and she was 15, I don't know, but I, I really liked her a lot. And I'd known this since junior school. So I used to play with her during the play play time at junior school. And there was a group of us who used to play with each other. So the, the girls, because I was never really a boy's boy. I was never really into boys stuff, whatever that is. You know, playing football and stuff like that. That's kind of how it was back then. <laughs> Just remember this is the late 70s and so we used to play I think what it was is my friend Dean his sister was they were her friends so we used to hang around with them and I remember vaguely remember leaving that school to go to high school and I was sad because I was leaving I was leaving them behind because I liked her. I just, I just liked her. I don't know what it was about her I liked. I just liked her. Can't remember her name or anything, but she was just lovely. 
and used to just like spending time with her. Again, you know, this was, I was, I say late, it was what, 79, 80, so you know, it's quite some time ago. And then I think when I was, when I'd left school, probably working at the chip shop at this point, I saw her and we were running around in the street like little kids again. Technically you could say she was still a little kid, but and I was really, I suppose, but not, we were like running around like we used to when we was like, when she was seven and I was nine. And it was so much fun. I remember when she joined high school a couple of years after I'd been there. I was so excited to see her. Because I hadn't seen her at all that whole time. And she was like, oh. And I was, ooh. And she still remembered me. Still remembered me. So we just, you know, used to see her sometimes. But didn't generally... I think at that point, I was no longer hanging around with girls. I had my friend, I had a few friends, you know, uh, blokes, boys, whatever. And I suppose I was too old, not too old, but I just didn't, didn't really sort of do that anymore. I didn't play football. I wasn't like a, a boy's boy or anything, but I did, I did, uh, I'm trying to think what I did do. I used to like walking around the edge of the playing field, singing to myself. I like I like being on my own. I really enjoyed being on my own. It was my favourite thing. I quite like being on my own in a crowd, or just away from the crowd. So, to be on the outskirts or to be uh, at the back of a concert or the back of a comedy club to, to you know just away from everyone else but maybe to still uh, be able to enjoy some of the positive energy that may be radiating from that particular group perhaps I don't know really I did wonder like you know as years go past why didn't I just tell her that I liked her I know I was young and she was young and whatever but I did like her I remember this when I was in the yeah when I started working in the chip shop I used to look forward to the only thing I liked was just the girls coming in and some of them used to flirt with me so they could get extra, what do they used to call them? Scraps. They, they got different names around the country, but they're basically the bits of batter that come off the fish or the fried sausages, whatever. And it's and you get that and they call them scraps. I think some places they call them scrapes or whatever. So people you know, some or some some girls would flirt just to get a few extra chips um i liked it a lot it was good but i didn't 
have much luck. I didn't. I didn't know how to. I didn't. I don't know how to talk to women. <laughs> Even now, I just. It's okay if I if I'm not if I'm not interested in someone, I can talk to them. If I don't feel romantically shy, then it's fine. But I remember my, one of my friend's sisters used to come in, and I really liked her. And she'd come in, and I'd, I'm going to ask her out. And then when she did come in, I'd be like, It's like, what? I said, I don't know. And it was just embarrassing, really. She was lovely. Um, so, I don't know why I'm thinking about this. What I'm thinking... I just wonder, I just, this is little thing, I'm thinking, how would my life have been, how would it have been if I had just started my work in life differently? If I'd have actually got myself, um, just a different job I don't want to say a proper job because working in a chip shop is a proper job all jobs are proper jobs aren't they but getting a job that would potentially have um, some kind of promotional aspect to it uh, you know that could lead to something more because the only f there's only two ways of really I suppose the only way I was ever going to make any money from working in a chip shop was if the person that owned it opened up loads of chip shops so I'd first of all become the manager of that one get paid okay money and then maybe started managing like an area manager a bunch of you know so if he went on to be um, hugely wealthy then I might end up having some money, you know, getting paid well to help run the business. Because that didn't, well, well, just saying that that could be one one way it could have gone. Um, another way would be that I opened up my own chip shop, which, of course, would take money. Now, I had the experience of doing most of the jobs uh, because I did get taught well but I did not have the savvy is it the savvy, the brains, I don't know I did not have the the common sense or the the skills to to have my own business in that way I would have needed someone to run the financial side of things um, otherwise I probably would have spent all my money on ice cream and cakes I had a friend he worked in the butchers actually when we left school and he said I spent all my money on chocolate <laughs> he was so he was still living at home with his parents and he was so pleased like I got all this money and I can I can buy sweets and chocolate 
and Toffee. <laughs> and he was sort of 16, 17 years old, and it was so funny. It's like, good for you. It's almost like his dreams come true. He can now eat endless amounts of sweet confectionery. And uh, saw him a year later, and he had no teeth. It was brilliant. No, he was good. I think he... I think he might have gone into uh, estate agents. But, see, I could have perhaps got a job. Because I'm thinking, what could I have done? Who could have I, I asked that I knew to give me a job? Who could I have, like, just... Someone that I knew in my life. And the only person really that I could have maybe asked for a job from would be my uncle that lived in Dover and he had his own company and he's very successful and I adored him he was an amazing person he still is I'm going to say but I haven't seen him for decades and decades and he's my favourite uncle see he's, he's moaning and whining again not my uncle Vinny Vinny is moaning and whining I don't mind it when he's look it's not that I want him to be quiet the whole time it's not that I just want him to be quiet for an hour just for an hour an hour that's all just for one hour just to keep a little bit quiet and even then, I don't mind if he's running around, he's eating a bone, he's crinkling stuff, because generally people that listen to this, they know that they might hear him in the background. But when he starts whining like this, it's a distraction. A real distraction. So, I... Yeah. Oh. So that would have been a possibility of going up to Dover and asking him, but I didn't even think about it at the time, you know. Didn't he? Because for me, Dover was like another country. It was just, I didn't didn't have any money, didn't have any, I didn't have a car or any, you know, anything like that. I'd never, I think at that point, on my own, the close, the furthest I'd ever been away was about 16 miles on a train. So I'd never travelled on my own on a train before to any sort of length of distance or anything. I was very sheltered. I had travelled a lot around the country, but, you know, with adults, with people. Uh, I remember I once travelled from Newcastle to Southend with my social worker, uh, Mr. White. Is it Mr. White or Mr. Young? Mr. White. Mr. Wright. I think it was Mr. Wright. Uh, and he was my social worker and he travelled up. I think it was just me, but it might not have been just me. It's just I don't remember anyone else being with me, which is weird. I mean, why, why would it just be me? Because my other two brothers were there. Unless they travelled separately. 
No, anyway, I just remember just I had uh, some crayons and some colouring in books and stuff like that because it's a long journey, Newcastle to South End. So we check out how long it takes. So Newcastle, Newcastle to South End by train. Times. Let's have a look. Let's have a look, shall we? Newcastle. Oh, shut up. Do you accept these cookies? It's constant now, isn't it? Like, yeah. You've never seen no cookies yet, have you? Uh, South End. Right. Get cheaper. Let's have a look. So. It is wow. It's not that long actually. It still it is for a kid though. So it's got I would have gone during the day. It wouldn't have been early hours, I don't think. So it's nine thirty in the morning, you get there at two thirty in the afternoon. 10, 11, 12, 1, 2 so it's 5 hours that's quite a long time for a, a 5 year old to be sitting on a train that's a long time for an adult to be sitting on a train really isn't it 5 hours and there's 2 changes as well so let's have a look Newcastle to London's King Cross King's Cross and then take the tube from London's King's Cross to London Fenchurch Street and then from London Fenchurch Street to South End see that's where it goes wrong because you get into King's Cross at 12.39 but you don't leave London again until 1.34 so that's like over an hour of just being in London so it's not five hours sitting on a train at all, is it? Blimey. I've never been so upset. <laughs> so disappointed. £63.30 one way. I bet you if I got a one-way ticket from here to Newcastle, it would be more than £63.30, I bet you. Should try it. So remember, £63.30, one way. So let's have a look. Let's have a look. Come on, right. Blimey, come on. Okay, so if I, if I ch just click on change. So, um. Da 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 da. You know when I said that we don't mind Vinny mess, you know, on the floor chewing stuff. It's been very noisy right now, isn't he? Very noisy. Right, here we go. So I found one here, okay. Isn't it weird, right? Okay, so this is what did I? Sixty-three pound, wasn't it? So from here, 
to Newcastle, £96.80. So let's try another one. Okay, let's try another one. South End to Newcastle. Ready? £88. So please explain this to me. Please explain it to me. Please. How can it be more money? In fact, it's even more than that if we go later. So that was 9.30 leaving. So leaving at 9.30, 9.30 in the morning. £76.10. £76.10. What was the other one? £63. So, okay, not a lot of difference, but how can one way, the exact same journey, tipped upside down, be a different price? It don't make sense to me. Here's weird. Oh, that's standard. First class, £117.60. I think first class should come with some kind of electric key which you have to have to get in so that no one else, like a whole carriage, something like that. So you can only get in with your ticket. The door doesn't open otherwise. So the, the general... Really? Can you make a little bit more noise please? So the general riffraff can't get in. You know, people like me. I used to sit in in first class in the nineties. Because I get on a train, there'd be no one hardly on the train. There'd be no one sitting on first class or in first class, which would just be a little section at the end of the train, at the end of the carriage. So I go and sit in there. Then a train inspector, you know, a card ticket inspector, whatever, would come in saying. Tickets, please. I said, and I said, there you go. This is first class, you know. Is it? Blimey. Sorry about that. And I just get off and just move into another chair until the person moved on and I get back in. Now, it doesn't work anymore. Now they want to, like, take your details and send a big fine. And if you don't do that, want to get the police involved and... You know, it's a major crime. Never understood that. Never understood that. The train services are run privately. They're run as a private service. How can they set a price for a ticket? And if someone doesn't pay the ticket, then the most that they should be able to do is what they used to do in the old days is kick you off the train not while it's still moving but you have to get off at the next stop and go away that's how things used to be now it's like they really suck. now it's going to be a high profile court case now oh but this, is, this isn't a government thing this is private. This is, I've got onto your. It's 
I don't know, it's almost like getting into a taxi and then like just saying and not having any money. Okay, that, I mean, that's kind of theft, isn't it? I suppose it's not like that at all, really. Maybe it is like that. But you can't, if you can, if it's a public space and you can just walk on there. I don't know what my argument is there. It's not really a very good argument. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I buy tickets. Saying that, I got this job in 2001. Harold Wood. And I got a bus pass, no, a train pass for a month. And I was getting on at Maryland Station, which didn't have any... Um, Barriers, you know the barriers you have to put your card through to get through. No barriers there, so you just walk straight in. And I got off at Harold Wood Station. Again, no barriers. You just walk, walk straight out. And after a month of doing that, coming back and forward from between that, those two places, you know, five days a week for a month, I started to think. Was there really any point spending 60 quid a month, or whatever it was, on this? So what I did is I just didn't buy any more tickets. And besides, my ticket had not been checked once. Because so I had a, a month, you know, pass or whatever. It hadn't been checked once the whole time. And then one day... On a particularly busy morning, I was checked, and it was very humiliating. And I was trying to be aggressive—not aggressive, but like defensive, like I was in the right—and but I wasn't. <laughs> it was just embarrassing, and. Basically, I had to spend the rest of the journey on the naughty step. Yeah. I didn't enjoy that. Never got the fine, though. The fine never arrived. And it was probably a £20 fine or something like that. So it's quite a long time ago, isn't it? It's, you know, it's about 100 years ago. Never got a fine. Really don't know what happened to that. Maybe just got lost in the post or something. I don't know. That was an okay job. I just remember there's there's some very just yeah. I think there's um. Really weird situation. There was this. We were outside, because this was during the summer. So we were outside the building during a break time. And I think we used to get. I'm pretty sure we used to get um, sandwiches delivered. Like a sandwich van would come. I got a vague memory 
of a sandwich van coming every lunchtime or every break time, like once a day I mean, in the morning, and we could buy you know, like sweets, uh, Kit Kats, uh, sandwiches or whatever. And so we're standing there, and there's about me and three other men standing there. And there's this bloke walking, because I'd only been there for a few days. So I was just, I wasn't really with them, I was just pretending to be with them. I was just there, you know, drinking my coffee or can of Coke or whatever it was. Probably can of Coke, to be fair. And this bloke was walking towards us, and I didn't know, but he worked there as well, but he was in a different department. And he was limping. He had a, a physical... His like hip was had an issue with his hip. He was a young man. He had an issue with his hip, and um, one of the blokes that was standing with me said something derogative. Is it that right word towards this bloke? He couldn't hear it, but he was the other side. But I'm not saying he, his hearing was that <laughs> his hearing was no good. I'm saying he. He was too far away to probably hear what was said. That's what I'm saying. I'm not prejudging his ability to hear at all. I'm just, you know, blimey. Stop judging me. Anyway. So this this bloke said something. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't even funny, I don't think. Pretty close. It was rude. And the bloke next to him said, that's my brother. It was like, wow, I'm not, I've been in similar situations like that where I've said something stupid. And it's like, oh, when I was younger, that is. Something that I shouldn't have said. Not, not like, it wasn't like that. I've not never really been into making fun of people's disabilities. Not really. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of mentally challenged myself, aren't I, really? So, he nothing happened from it like nothing came of it but it was like wow he apologised or it turned out that the bloke that was standing with us the one that whose brother who said that's my brother it was a kickboxing champion <laughs> it's like that could have turned very not only that his brother the one with the like the limp and the thing he also did kickboxing and they used to like spar with each other during their lunch. And he, he basically, he, he didn't let the, the physical issue that he had stop him from training. I mean, his, his um, I was gonna say, I was going to say his aim wasn't always perfect, but I won't. I'm just, it's, it, it was just nice to see. It reminded me of when I was at school, um, practicing karate with my friend that was going as well. And we just, it was just fun. It was a lot of fun. And there was this other bloke that he started. I think he, he might have been, he might have started with me. 
or maybe the week after me or something and he was so menacing <laughs> he would literally talk to people on the phones because this is for faux contracts and it would almost tell people what they were going to do he didn't know he was doing it he had this really deep voice it's like so uh, you know, we've got a contract so what we need to do now is get your uh, bank details and uh, and then I'll take them down and we'll send that out to you okay if you can go and do that now and they would they'd also cancel as well afterwards when they felt safe when they'd safely left the country or whatever it was really like he wasn't doing it on per. he wasn't like he just had that voice that was um, I don't know what the right word is scary maybe <laughs> intimidating uh, I don't know I don't know that's one thing I don't have I don't have a scary voice an annoying voice probably but not scary so Vinny's now staring at me again so what I'm going to do now it's one it's 9.27 so I need to take him out for a walk then I need to get something to eat and then it'll be time for bed so I'm probably not going to upload this or get it released until tomorrow early hours tomorrow so yeah it's otherwise i won't be going to bed till about half 11 12 or something so it's because it takes a while to get it all processed so i'm gonna go thank you very much for listening again i've spoken for over an hour and i've said absolutely nout and said a single thing have i isn't it amazing so okay so what did he talk about for an hour nothing literally nothing even i can say that honestly i don't know what i spoke about there was nothing it was just a bunch of stuff meaningless meaningless right i need to take the the little girl out so i shall speak to you tomorrow so remember to be kind to yourself you deserve to be happy and just hold on to that idea hold on to the idea that this year is going to be a much better year than last year things are going to change in the positive and why not why shouldn't they why shouldn't things improve and just be gentle with yourself give it a go so lots of love bye